When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Football Social Daily. Welcome to the Football Social Daily Premier League Weekend Review Show. This is the place where there is a daily Premier League podcast. And as it says on the tin, this is the show where we review all the games that happened this weekend. I'm Ant McGinley and joining me today is football correspondent for the I newspaper and he's just been at Bramall Lane to watch Sheffield United today. It's Pete Hall. Hello. And we also have football journalist from the Manchester United podcast, uh, Rob Blanchett. Hello. And they're both being very generous because we did just start this already, but I forgot to press record. So... <laughs> Uh, so we'll be reviewing all the games again, but uh, do, we'll start with the game that I would have just finished it, apart from the fact that we already recorded for five minutes before realising it. Nil-nil at Anfield, uh, Liverpool, Man United. Rob, is it a better result for Liverpool, a better result for Man United because they're now top, two points clear of Leicester, or is it a great result for Man City, Leicester and Spurs? It's definitely a great result for Manchester City in terms of getting their title aspirations back on track. But what I would say is this, Manchester United, this is the kind of game where they would have lost it in the past and obviously slipped away from the title contenders. So I think Ole will feel great about the result in terms of taking a point at Anfield. But at the same time, I don't think there's much to celebrate. It's just a case that United got their tactics right on the day and stopped Liverpool from doing what they would do normally. Considering there are no goals, it wasn't the worst nil-nil game that we've seen recently but Liverpool had 18 shots in the game only three of which were on target they also played a makeshift uh, defense uh, with Jordan Henderson moving into the back four Joel Matip was uh, not fit before kickoff do you think this means that uh, there's real problems for Jurgen Klopp here or is this a sign Pete that Klopp has found a way to still get results when he needed them even in the circumstances that he's faced it's not it's not the worst result in the world, um, considering the team that they had out. Um, but I think it will be a little bit worrying that Liverpool have now failed to score in any of the last three Premier League matches. It's the longest run since March 2005 without a goal. Um, yes, it's not that long, but the the front three are not clicking like they, like they have done in the past. Um, all three of them have lost something uh, this season than they have during the previous seasons. 
and they're not looking anything like the threat that they used to. And with Diego Jota out, there's not much in reserve. I mean, you look at Manchester United's reserve, uh, players in reserve that they had. They had, you can bring Edison Cavani and Mason Greenwood at Anfield, but Liverpool um, can only turn to Divock Origi, who's got one goal all season, and that was at Lincoln in the Carabao Cup. So uh, Liverpool's front three's form will be very concerning to Jurgen Klopp, and it, I think um, he has to find a way, and if anyone can, it's, it's Jurgen Klopp, to, to get them firing uh, on all cylinders again and, and back to playing like they have done over the last few years. So Solskjaer has gone to Anfield and albeit they've maintained, I think now 68 games unbeaten, but he's gone toe-to-toe with Jurgen Klopp. He's got the draw there. Surely given the fact that their strikers aren't firing on all cylinders, that they had a makeshift defence, was this a missed opportunity? Do you think that United should have gone for the jugular a bit today? partially you know I think if you go to Anfield and you win and you take the three points it's a great moment in your season and obviously United fans get very hyped about it but I think you have to look long term here you know this is a marathon it's not a sprint when you're playing Liverpool they've still got all of their main weapons on the pitch yes they're without Van Dijk and that's a, a huge loss for the football club for the whole season but overall I think you have to look at this have the respect for the champions that are that's deserved but at the same time, set up, make sure you're not the team that's going to lose or leave, leave too much space behind. United played a low block today. That's, it is what it is ultimately, but that's not what United will do week to week. That's not why Man United are top of the league. And I think that United will go on for this and feel good that they went to Anfield and managed the job at hand. One thing I would like to ask you both is a comment that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer said before the game. He said, if you aim for the stars at least you won't shoot yourself in the foot. <laughs> now, it isn't quite the, uh, the the version I remember of the Latin, which I think is Cicada ad astra, uh, but I wondered if you guys could think of any other well-known phrases or meme-worthy quotes uh, that could be used in a footballing way for a manager. Well, I'd said on uh, my podcast, on the Masterclass, just after the game, I'd said something similar in the sense that last season, Manchester United, the distance between Liverpool and and United really was the distance between the earth and the moon. And United somehow, in the last six months, are that bit closer to the moon itself. So uh, there's some kind of thing going on here with the stars and where Manchester United would like to be in intergalactic space somewhere. But uh, I think with Ole, I think that was just a Norwegian translation that we got. Well, we'll see. And uh, Pete, I'll give you a little time to think of that. If anything comes to you, we'll look at that. But let's now go to the game that you were at today. Uh, you were over at Bramall Lane, uh, where Tottenham made a bit of a statement. Uh, an early goal, early goal for Kane, a bit of a wonder goal for Ndombele, and uh, the 3-1 winners. Uh, considering that there's been a lot of criticism for Spurs not being able to finish games off, um, did you see enough in this game to make them think, make you think that, yeah, Spurs are actually back in the race? Uh, the problem is that with a game like this is that Sheffield United was so poor. It's such a hard game to gauge where where Spurs are at when you, you're gifted goals like like Sheffield United gave uh, Tottenham today. Um, but one thing that uh, that came out of it that was the winning goal was was absolutely. Phenomenal from a player who, well, if he meant it, that is. So the, the the debate is is whether he meant it, whether he means to cross it. You know, it's it's that same old debate whether it came off Wayne Rooney's shin for the overhead kick against Man City in the uh, in two thousand and eleven. It's the same old thing. You don't. Some people saying it is. Some people saying he, um, he didn't mean it. 
but is Ndombele's uh, performance was sensational. I mean, and he 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 came full circle really. It's it's finished his his journey back from being the the, the target of his, of his man of manager's public criticism, um, and seemingly on his way out of Tottenham, the record signing. Uh, to being their best player, and in the last in the last few in the last few months, he's really stepped up to be the main man, and 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 he even got praised by Jose Mourinho afterwards. And if Jose Mourinho can hold his hands up and say, "I'm going to praise this player that I've criticised for so long," he must have been good, and he he was. He was the match winner today at a time when Spurs really needed that goal to kill off Sheffield United because they were coming back at the time. I wonder if uh, Mourinho will take the uh, the credit for all that because I seem to remember during the first lockdown that uh, he took Ndombele out to a park and was giving him one-on-one sessions, yeah, yeah. which he, he got um, in trouble for. He, he did today. After the game, he tried to claim credit for it. He tried to say that um, I've been around, I've been a coach for so long, I've had so many players, I know when it's, a right, when it's the right time to tell them when they're not playing well and I know it's the right time to tell them when they are playing well. So he, he's basically trying to say that his chats with uh, Ndombele and him calling him out, essentially, as is the reason why he's where he is and... and uh, only Jose Mourinho would do that, try and steal the limelight away from Ndombele in, 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 at, his, at his time when he really should be the one taking the acclaim. And there's only one man to, who deserves the credit for, for getting Ndombele back to where he is now, and that's, and that's the man himself. And he was absolutely superb from start to finish today. He did steal the thunder from Harry Kane a bit as well, because that was a pretty good goal from Harry. It was, it was, but I mean, in the the build up to that was was it was again it shifted. Chris Wilder was going mad on the touchline after they conceded this, throwing his throwing his bottle at some poor whoever was in the whoever was in the dugout. I couldn't see. Uh, got a, a water bottle in the in the shin uh, from from Chris Chris Wilder, which is which is always going to be a bit more ferocious than most other managers throwing a bottle. Um, because Sheffield United just gifted the ball away from a simple a simple I think it was a goal kick or a, or a back pass. And just giving the ball away in stupid areas. It's a great finish. It was a great finish from Kane, as as you would expect from him. And it was it was a it was a proper arrowed strike with a uh, with a bit of dip and swerve on it. But it, the, the the chance itself was presented to him on a plate from some absolutely awful defending. And speaking of that awful defending, Rob, you saw last season against your team some of the best of Sheffield United. I'm thinking in particular that three three all game. It's not been anywhere near that. Um, for the last six months for Chris Wilder and his side. Uh, they did win thanks to a penalty against 10-man Newcastle in the week. Uh, but things are not looking good, especially when you consider that uh, in amongst the next few games, they've got Man City and Liverpool. And given how far they're adrift, uh, I've seen a lot of people this week after that victory over Newcastle talking about a miracle. Now, the thing is about miracles, they don't happen very often, a bit like reaching for the moon. <laughs> but as soon as we mentioned that earlier, do you think there's any hope at all? I mean, it, they, they did get a cracking goal back uh, to bring it back to 2-1, but that hope only lasted four minutes. Is there anything that you can see that makes you think that they might somehow be able to at least even give enough performances to hold some pride and not go down with the what everybody is talking about, the lowest points total in the Premier League? Well, at the start of the season, I said I felt they'd get relegated. And a lot of people said, why? Well, I just thought that they would get worked out by teams in terms of what the tactics are that won them so many matches last year where you didn't expect them to win points. This season, we're seeing that that is not happening. We're seeing they're making silly mistakes. They've been better the last couple of games. There's no doubt about it. I think there was times today against Tottenham where they lived with them. 
But it's too little too late already, even though we're at this point of the season, we're only kind of 15, 16, 17 games into the campaign. I just think that Wilder hasn't really got the tactics to dig this team out of where they are at the moment. They look like a championship team playing in the Premier League, and I think they will be a championship team next year. And it's a shame for them, because I just think that if they'd made two or three prudent signings maybe in the summer, they'd be in a much better position where they are now. They actually threw the whole... You know, the, the whole budget really at Brewster, which was a gamble. Um, it's not worked for them. I think they probably will go down and they'll go down long, you know, much before the last two or three game of the season's actually been played. Yeah, uh, looking at the table and the way things are, uh, the potential for them to stay up, it looks like they're going to have to win. And the same for West Brom, who we'll come on to in a little while, at least five or six games. And the, the problem is, is goal scoring, because if I'm right... Uh, the the goal they got there today, Pete. That's only their tenth goal of the season. Yeah, and you, you look at the squad and you don't know where the goals are going to come from. In their in their winning midweek, they needed Billy Sharp uh, to come out of nowhere and and grab them the win. Um, but see, the the gamble that Chris Wilder made has not paid off because he spent all that money on on Rian Brewster and and it really it really really hasn't paid off at all. He's been. Um, it, I always thought it was a risk paying that sort of money um, for him when they did, and he's he's not produced the goods at all, and and, he, and it looks like a very poor signing because he doesn't he doesn't look happy. He's not exactly chomping at the bit to to try and get on there when he does get when he does get a chance. So you look at this, you look at the squad. I mean, look at David McGoldrick for example. He scored today, um, but he scored such a handful of goals, and he plays every week. Uh, plays every week and plays up front. Um, there's so many players who who are like him who score you know a handful of goals all season in that Sheffield Sheffield United team. There's no there's not they haven't got that one player they can count on for a goal. Uh, and when you you're down at the bottom, you need someone like that. And uh, unfortunately for them, that, that their lack of goals is likely to see that. Well, in my opinion, likely to see them really really. Uh, struggle to get out of there they're 11 points adrift of safety and they've also played more games uh, than their nearest rivals West Brom and Fulham uh, it's the exact midpoint of the season for Sheffield United the funny way that uh, these uh, the fact that we've got so many teams who have played different games now Sheffield United one of the teams that are at the midpoint of their season it is not looking good for them however for Tottenham uh, 18 games down uh, they're currently sitting in fifth place uh, and within touching distance of the top, uh, I already uh, put this to uh, Pete, but obviously they've got a frightening front line. Jose's uh, famous for his ability to defend. Uh, as the team currently sitting on top, Rob, uh, do you see Tottenham as a threat or any threat whatsoever? Not to the title. Uh, the way I look at it is this. We know Harry Kane gets injured every year. He's going to stub his toe in some point in the next six weeks. <laughs> and that means they'll stop scoring goals. So they've got they've got some great players in that Tottenham squad. But I still think when you look at their equilibrium and the kind of balance and how they win matches, it's still very precarious. You, know, you, have to, you look at them and you think to yourself, if you lose Kane for any amount of time, and I think they will because he has been injured almost every season since he uh, started at Spurs, that 
you'll have a, a period where you'll stop winning games or you'll stop scoring goals. And I think that's what will happen for Tottenham. They still need to invest in the transfer market to to make those key areas stronger. Obviously, they went for Gareth Bale on loan. Uh, is he still at the club or playing golf? I'm, I don't know. So they're probably playing him something like three, £400,000 a week to kind of clap from the sidelines. So I think that money could be spent better. And I think next year is maybe when you'll see Tottenham maybe kick on into the next gear. Well, it's terrible weather to be playing golf at the minute, I think, uh, but I'm no expert. We're going to leave that there for now, but we'll come back after a short break and we'll look at what was a very good result uh, for Brighton up on a shocking pitch in Leeds. Uh, but next, we'll talk about Wolves and West Brom. Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Get daily news and updates on your team via your Amazon Alexa. Just ask Alexa. Open Sports Social. Welcome back to the Football Social Daily. Uh, thanks very much for tuning in. We're looking at all the Premier League results over the weekend and possibly the biggest result uh, came on Saturday and it surprised me uh, when I got the notification. I wasn't even uh, watching the game. I was recording another show and caught the second half. West Brom went a goal up against Wolves and I did think to myself, well, it's a penalty. That won't last long. Sure enough, Wolves come back and score two. But thanks to another penalty and uh, another goal, Big Sam gets his first victory uh, since he's come into West Brom. Drawing all their games are not going to keep them up. Like Sheffield United, we've already discussed, uh, with 20 games left, they've only got 11 points. So it's likely that they're going to have to win at least five or six of those games to be around in the Premier League next year. It's what Big Sam has been brought in for. It's what he's good at. What we saw was the team playing with a lot of heart. Is a lot of heart and a few penalties enough to keep them up this season? Um, probably not. Uh, you, need, you still need some quality. And you look at that uh, West Brom squad and you think this is probably going to be his hardest job uh, to keep this team in the in the Premier League. They they really had a disappointing summer after after let's be honest scraping up from the Championship last season. Um, if their their form towards the end of the season was was poor, they only just about managed to get get promoted. You think after that they'd uh, back Slavin Bilic in the in the summer, and yes, the, yes, they got a couple of a couple of signings in, but nobody really that you thought, oh, this yeah, he can he brings this the quality that he can keep them in the league. And Sam Allardyce builds his builds his um, builds his teams his his teams fighting survival um, on great defenses, solid defenses, and you look at that West Brom team, and you think, oh, you know, they're <laughs> they're going to struggle to keep keep clean sheets this season. You'll get games like the Wolves game where they, they let, let's be honest, they, they could have easily lost that game um, where they'll sneak a, sneak a result and like you say, two penalties. Um, but on the whole of it, on the, on, for the whole, across the whole season, I, I, I don't really fancy them to, to stay up and I think it was more of a slight on how poor Wolves have been of late rather than West Brom being particularly good. Yeah, as as for Wolves, um, they've really struggled since Jimenez picked up that injury. We know that as well as the Jimenez injury, they've lost a couple of key players, but we also saw Connor Cody be substituted for what I think is the first time uh, for Wolves. Also, the usually jovial manager looks a little bit under the weather um, and fed up. Is the reason to worry about Wolves 
Yes, I think there is. And I, uh, again, I was talking about Nuno not so long ago and saying that his demeanour has completely changed in the sense that once upon a time he was quite chilled and laid back in pressers and, you know, we'd kind of just go with the flow. And now this year we, we're seeing that kind of little bit of aggravation. Uh, when he went after the referee a few weeks ago and really did deserve his fine for that, for trying to make excuses for his team. And I just think at the moment Wolves... They're just in that maybe Burnley spot where they're just they're not progressing. They've lost one or two players through injury. Can they maintain their form and make sure that they're in the Premier League in years ahead? It doesn't look great for them. You know, I think that they, they also need to revamp their squad. It shows that without Jimenez, they're just 50% less of a side. And I just wonder if, you know, coming towards the end of the season, so the last 10 or 15 games, if they can just keep their head above water because they could very, very easily get sucked into a relegation battle that they might not be equipped to fight. They do have a few glimmers of uh, joy there. Another goal for Silva, uh, the young lad they spent a lot of money on uh, with a very calm finish towards the end. Still no date for when Jimenez is likely to return. I mean, is is that something that they need to address? Do you think they need to sort of reach in and, and, and pick up somebody to fill that gap and add that to the squad in the transfer window? Well, they've been so good at doing that, haven't they, for two years and finding talents. And like you said, they were silver. You know, he's, there's a high expectation with him in terms of the, the fee that they paid and, and bringing him into the football club. But they have to do something because the balance of the squad looks thin. So even though last year they had all these great exploits in Europe and showed that they're a very competent side, it can hurt teams. This year they look flat and the manager also looks flat, whether it be his body language or how he is in pressers. You can see that that's translating either from manager to team or team to manager, one or the other. So that's a problem. And I do think Wolves, is they have to address it in this transfer market because, as I said, if they get to say the last five, six games and those teams at the bottom that we're talking about, if they're starting to pick up points, it could be a very, very kind of precarious position for Wolves. And they don't really want to be flirting with danger like that. They want to kind of keep their head above water and make sure they're in Premier League next year. Uh, speaking of teams that uh, you know lost their way and have been struggling a little bit, um, Leeds are very much going that way. Uh, they went down 1-0 at home uh, to Graham Potter's Brighton and I think that was the first win in nine for the Seagulls uh, with what was rather a Man City style goal on an awful pitch. Uh, Pete, do you, you know this, this is a game that uh, was very much needed for, for Graham Potter because they were very much at risk of being sucked into that relegation battle. But we've also seen Leeds stutter. They they reached a point where they'd, uh, just a few weeks ago, and almost the death knell, everybody said, oh, well, they're doing really well, the mid-table, they've scored as many goals as they conceded, and then a couple of bad results, including going out of the FA Cup. But it just seems to be that they, they've run out of energy and they're not quite as exciting to watch as they were at the start of the season. Yeah, and you will will get the everybody saying that same old thing that are they worn out? Are they worn out from Bielsa? I don't think it's that. I think what you've what you've I think a lot of teams are looking flat at the moment. If we're talking about uh, Liverpool um, earlier, also looking flat and trying to look for reasons why they're flat. But football's been non-stop, been non-stop for a long, long time, and it's it's bound to affect teams. And I, I do have a bit of sympathy. Uh, for teams in that sense, it's hard, you know you can't expect them to, especially the way the Leeds play. You can't expect them to come all guns blazing week in week out. Um, it, I don't think they'll be too worried. They're still in a good position, well above the relegation zone. First league, first season back in the Premier League. 
Uh, it's all about staying up, isn't it? And yes, they'll lose. They'll have games like this. They'll go through spells like this, but they'll also go through. They've, they've got so much uh, quality uh, in in the team, especially with the, the way that Bielsa's coached them. That they'll go, they'll go through runs of a, a couple of a couple of wins, back to back wins, and they'll be back. They'll be back to where they want to be again. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. And you, but I'm gonna leap to the defence of the uh, Ellen Road groundsman. Uh, you were calling him out there, Ant. But I, I live, I live in Leeds, and the weather has been absolutely horrendous uh, recently, snow-wise. I've not, I've never seen snow like it. So he's done a, a fantastic job to even get the game on. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna leap to his defence because I, I know he listens to this podcast, and I know he'd be very disappointed for you calling him out. Well, rightly so. And and I wasn't actually <laughs> criticising him. I was just noticing that the pitch did cut up a lot and kind of reminded me of. The, the, you know, we we you don't see that very often anymore, which is more, I think, you're right to point out, more a sign of extreme weather we've experienced in the north uh, rather than anything he's at fault for. Uh, speaking of being at fault, uh, the winning goal coming from Neil Mopai, uh, minutes before that, uh, there was possibly the most blatant dive in the penalty area that I've seen this season. It was reviewed by VAR, and obviously, rightly so, no penalty was given. But yet again no yellow card um rob is is this something that has been forgotten about has that rule been deleted have they just never enforced it what is going on with that i think it's because they're actually enforcing the rule correctly so with var and we had this with luke shaw the other day where there was a goal and he was given a yellow card when the play was brought back var in the book is not supposed to be used for anything like yellow card decisions so in that moment there where they're looking at what is obviously a blatant dive the the question is not does he dive the question is is it a penalty all you have to answer there is yes or no the yellow card comes at the discretion of the referee in real time so i think that's what that was about and we had that with luke shaw the other day where luke shaw goes in for a tackle that's brought back united actually obviously had scored the goal at the other end and the referee decided that he was going to give a yellow card off the back of that. I believe the rules are supposed to stop that. The rules are not supposed to be for yellow card decisions. So I think that's why he probably got away with it. Today. Yeah, well, it's still something that I, I would like to see. As, as From the fan point of view, it's something that, yes, it, it just seems to me it stinks of that whole red tape and technicality uh, that we've found has come through VAR. Uh, talking about this game, though, has inspired me to think of another... Uh, common phrase that could be turned into a footballing meme after uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer said that and uh, Abby Elsa makes the heart grow fonder <laughs> All right. maybe, oh dear. maybe we'll put that to bed uh, we'll try and think of a better one or just find something else to talk about and in fact we will do that after a quick break uh, we're going to look at Leicester Southampton Fulham Chelsea and West Ham Burnley here on the Football Social Daily Football Social Daily Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome back to part three of the Football Social Daily. We're looking at all the games that happened this weekend, with the exception of the Man City Palace game, uh, which will be reviewed on tomorrow's show, as well as looking ahead to the Arsenal-Newcastle game. But let's focus on the team that seemed to have come from nowhere and bounce up into second place and that's uh, Brendan Rodgers Leicester City beating Southampton 2-0 Southampton themselves who were knocking around uh, the, the sort of fifth sixth European spots 
uh, earlier in the season. Rob, your team, United, are sitting pretty at the top. I've already asked you if you see Tottenham as a threat. Do you see Leicester as a threat? And I don't see Leicester as a threat either. Uh, I think Southampton are, are kind of like Leicester light. So when we saw this today, these two teams, they, they, they're very kind of matched. They're matched up really well. However, Leicester are just that bit further in their development. They're a good team. They're a solid team. They're not the kind of team you want to play every week. You know what Jamie Vardy can do. Harvey Barnes has come on loads as a footballer. But I still think when you look at them as a as a squad and you think about maybe the hurdles that they have to jump throughout the season. They're going to be there or thereabouts in the top four conversation, top six. But I don't think they're, they're near that championship winning team that they once were, where they were kind of a force of nature, being able to use those tactics. People couldn't get round them, couldn't actually score goals against them. And they were very good at completing and winning matches. I don't see that Leicester City being in existence today, but they're still a very, very good team. Uh, for the last few months every time Southampton have done well and gone up the table everyone seems to have harked back to well didn't they make a good decision about you know a certain game and a certain decision uh, after they played uh, Leicester at home uh, in terms of where the team are uh, from that point do, do you see much difference in, in the way Southampton play and do you see them uh, finally coming back to where they were because for, for years they seem to be a team that um, could sell their best player and then still perform really well throughout the season. And then the last couple of seasons, they've been flirting with relegation. And Hassan Hutel really seems to have driven the team in the right direction. Will they be worried about this result? I think, you know, Hassan Hutel, he's one of these coaches that needed time to change the philosophy and get it to the way he wanted it to be. And he's a great coach. And I think that Southampton now have settled to that task to actually play the side of football that he wants to play. However, again, like we're talking about teams maybe with with one star player, we talked about Harry Kane earlier on with, with Tottenham. I think if uh, you found that Southampton lost Danny Ings for any kind of period of time, that would maybe be the difference with them fighting for a European place and even potentially then being somewhere near the bottom six or seven. So still very precarious for them. I still think they need to carry on building, but they're, they're in a really good place in terms of being a football club who are progressive who actually want to play a good style of football. Pete, Rob doesn't see Leicester as a threat to the Premier League title at all. Uh, do you think they're in with a chance of even finishing as runners-up? No, I don't think so. I agree with Rob. Like, the thing with Leicester is they're... they're Capable of uh, they're capable of a good run, but they're equally capable of of losing some games that you you can't afford to lose when you when you're ch- chasing a top top two finish. Like they've the teams that have beaten them at home this season, West Ham's and people like that, uh, are teams that you can't be losing to at home. You can't you can't lose that many home games. I think they lost four home games already this season, um, and expect to finish in the top two. Um, so I, I I really can't see it. Um, yes, they're. I think they're they're at their optimum level, really. I mean, how how much further can you go? Like, if they the 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 key thing for them is to holding on for their best players rather than bringing in other other world, you know, if it, anything like world class talents. So, it's I think they're they've they're as far as they can go. But you know, if they finish in the top four, it's still a a fantastic achievement for Leicester. But I no higher than no higher than that. I don't think. This does remind me of how everybody talked about them about five seasons ago, <laughs> except they weren't yeah. as uh, praiseworthy. Um, as we're recording this, by the way, the, the Manchester City game is underway. So obviously their position uh, might jump around a little bit. They might drop down to third, depending 
on how that result goes. Uh, so uh, we've looked at uh, Southampton, we've looked at Leicester. Uh, let's now go to the Fulham-Chelsea game. And uh, Chelsea again started very well. They had a great run, I think 14 games unbeaten earlier in this season. Uh, but this game, they really were presented some challenges uh, by Fulham. And um, I mean, it, it left us with several questions, uh, most one of which is in the weekend, that all the players and managers were reminded of their obligations to maintain social distancing after a red card. How do you have an on-pitch ruckus while maintaining social distancing? Any idea, Rob? I have no idea. How do you do that? Uh, I, I think it's one of those strange anomalies in football where we can keep players separated, whether it be in goal scoring or in scenarios before and after the game. It's very, very difficult if someone kicks someone up in the air and then you all want to have a fight. That's difficult. How do you have a socially distanced fight? I don't know. Weapons or something, you know, from 30 feet. I'm not sure. I don't think it's something that you can do. It's something, you know, you can remind players of their responsibility. But in the heat of the moment, it's very difficult. I would say that still at the end of games, we're seeing managers kind of, you know, touch bump fists and then proceed to go to the whole of the opposition team bump all of their fists, get very, very close to each other in the centre circle. I think those things can be avoided. Whether they actually keep you any more safe, that's another question. But I think football's doing the best that it can do at the moment. And I think that players still have to obviously have that contact in football matches because football is a contact sport. Interesting watching the the, the post-match reviews of the game. Uh, as I said, Frank Lampard wasn't very impressed, whereas Scott Parker uh, was full of praise for his team. Fulham looked the most likely of, of all the teams in the bottom three to be able to get themselves out of it. What, what did you see that stood out for you for the game, Pete? I think that what stood out for me is is, is how poor Chelsea still are. It's after the start they'd after the start that they had and the run that they went on. Um, you looked at that squad and the talent in there. You thought. They could they could easily win the league this season. It wasn't supposed to be a season that they they could win the league. It's still you know a transitional season. Um, but the way that they were playing, all the players were you know the the you thought who how does Frank Lampard? You thought the hardest task with Lampard was how he's going to fit all these players in. They were all playing so well and so much so much talent was being left on the bench. N to now, uh, you you look at that team that played and, and the. And the attacking options that they had on the pitch, and they still didn't really um, offer that that much. You know, Timo Werner was left out when he came on, looked nervous again. Um, Giroud, who went on that scoring run earlier in the season, uh, looked really flat. Even Haki uh, Hakim Ziyech looked, you know, he, he still whipped in some good crosses, but didn't really offer that much. And you just think, I I, th I think Scott Parker was right to play as his players. They they. They had a good go, especially considering they had ten men. And I think Adam Ola Luckman is a great signing for them, uh, and I think he can he can really make a difference. Um, but I think my main takeaway from it was I, just, I still can't get my head around this Chelsea team and how much when you have that much talent, how you can still be looking so poor. Yeah, that result means uh, Chelsea take the win. Uh, they still sit in seventh and uh, three points off Everton in fifth. Let's go to the last game of the weekend that we're covering, at least, uh, which was uh, West Ham at home to Burnley. Another goal for Antonio. But in a few seasons, it's quite worrying for Burnley because they've gone from a club that was qualifying for Europe to being the club that scored the fewest goals of any football team 
on the continent. Mm. Would you be worried as a Burnley fan, Rob? I would be worried, but I also still think that Burnley are vastly overachieving as a football club from where they, they once were not so long ago. So, you know, they've had some great seasons under uh, Sean Dyche and, you know, all credit to him. However, a little bit like Wolves and teams that we've spoken about today, they don't really have the kind of all-round firepower, maybe the, the ways to go and grab those results in the manners that they did maybe in the last two or three seasons. So I would be worried, but at the same time, I think as long as they can maintain somewhere in mid-table, go and get those results, they still get quite a lot of clean sheets, especially if you've uh, got Burnley defenders in your fantasy league team, You, everyone will realise that. Um, <laughs> but you, you see that they're, they're still kind of built on a formula. It's just that they're not prepared to maybe take the gamble and go ahead with a different, say, type of signing that might take them to the next level. They seem to be quite happy in their own skin where they are in the table. I mean, looking at the statistics, they were whipping uh, crosses in. I think I saw a stat that said maybe 20 crosses came in. So is it a case, do you think, Pete, that the people have just worked out Burnley's attack? Or is it just that, you know, Chris Woods and, and the other offensive players they've got there just aren't sharp enough for them? They can, they can only do so much, really, Burnley, with the options that they've got. Um, I think Rob's right. There's, 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 there does need to... There just need to be some sort of freshness in there, and the new ownership uh, might change that. But it might be too late for the January transfer window. Um, but they just—it's the same old, same old, isn't it? The same old strike pairing, the same old, the same old tactics. When they do go behind, it does turn. I mean, it's such a cliche, but it does turn into those long balls into the box. Um, they just need some some invention in there. I, I think. One thing they've they've lacked this season is Dwight McNeil has not got to anything like the levels that he has in the past, uh, and in, in sorry in last season. Um, so any form of invention will do, and 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 they're in dire need of it really. For for um, for West Ham, it seems to be that David Moyes is finally in a good place with the club. Obviously, it's his second time in relatively short space at West Ham. But as somebody who ha- had him as a manager of your team. Do you enjoy seeing David Moyes starting to get things right, Rob? I don't think I would use the word enjoy. Uh, <laughs> I, I think uh, credit to him is what I will say. And I did say a couple of weeks ago that this version of West Ham under David Moyes is starting to look quite a lot like David Moyes' Everton. So when you look at kind of the setup and how David Moyes likes to play football, West Ham are, um, are kind of more of a mirror of his traditional tactics and say maybe his last two or three efforts at, at building a football club have been. Uh, I think, again, they're one of those teams, aren't they, West Ham, where they kind of aspire to, to be up the table, but, but in reality, they just want to stay away from the relegation zone. And, you know, I think they're trying to reach for the stars, but sometimes they just forget those oxygen cylinders and they just kind of suffocate a little bit. So <laughs> I, I think when you, look, when you look at West Ham, I think, that, again, they're a club that will be happy where they are at the moment. And if they can carry on winning these kind of games fairly, you know, in terms of, comfortably within their own philosophy, I think they'll be pleased where they end up at the end of the season. Pete, you're a, a proper sports journalist, unlike me. Uh, how do you feel when somebody like uh, Sebastian Allaire leaves the league, especially as that was one of the players that I had to work quite hard on how to pronounce his name correctly? <laughs> is, is, <laughs> yeah. is, that, is, is that the biggest miss that they're going to have about him? Because he didn't really live up to expectations, did he? No, but he 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 had he had a bit of a um, penchant for a uh, for a spectacular goal, didn't he? He he his last goal in the in the Premier League was that phenomenal overhead kick, mm. and I I remember when I first when I first saw him, I thought 
if you could design a footballer in a in a laboratory, that's what you want him to come out like. He was like he was tall, he was lean, he was powerful, he was pacey. I thought, oh, at West Ham, I've got something here. And he obviously does possess a great deal of talent for Ajax to come back in after the season, after the after the form that he's, or lack of it, that he's shown for West Ham to come back in and pay that sort of money. Uh, and, and he scored, what what was it, 12 minutes into his debut for Ajax? Um, so he's obviously there's obviously something there. It's just not, wrong place, wrong time. And... Uh, I I won't I won't particularly miss him because like, like you say my surname's Hall and I, I saw that and I thought oh somebody was similar with surname to me but it was very very different. So that result leaves uh, Burnley just teetering on the edge of the relegation. So they do have a bit of breathing space and uh, a, a game on hand on the teams below them. Uh, they're on 16 points, but West Ham the heady heights of ninth with 29 points, top of the table. As it stands, sees uh, Man United uh, clear at the top on 36 points. Pete, Rob, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, apologies again for that glorious opening five minutes that no one will ever hear because I forgot to press record. (laughs) (laughs) Any more footballing uh, phrases that you'd like to throw in that could make a future meme? I was just I was just looking back then. It's not necessarily for a manager, but I was just looking back then at my my uh, match report that I wrote from uh, from the Sheffield United Tottenham game and the bits that I had to edit out. And I I realised that I put far too many references to uh, festive and gifting and anything to do with the Christmas period in there. Thinking, hold on, it's middle of January here. I can't keep I can't keep going back to these things. And I was talking about Sheffield United defending. And how everything was gift wrapped, and uh, the, the 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 festive spirit was still pre- present in the. And I was like, oh, no, 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 delete, delete, delete. And I'm, I, I luckily I had I had five minutes at the end to get rid of these phrases because it's the seventeenth of January. I can't keep saying that. Well, I was worrying at the start of whether or not I could wish you both Happy New Year, but uh, <laughs> yeah, that makes me feel so much better. Th- yeah. There was one phrase I was I come across. I was trying to. I, I did Google a few phrases to see if I could help me, uh, and I, I didn't have. Uh, one that I could turn this into, but I'm going to apply this uh, to Chris Wilder, uh, which is adversity and loss make a man wise. Unfortunately, <laughs> I think Chris Wilder is going to be far wiser than he wants to be by the end of this season. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Remember, we are here with a brand new podcast every single day and on the next show which is monday uh the guys will be reviewing the man city palace game which took place while we're recording this and also looking ahead to arsenal newcastle and remember uh, you can get daily updates on your smart device by just enabling the sports social skill football social daily subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.